Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, it's, uh, it's great to be here. And Lord, as we uh, spend some time in Your Word, uh, we ask that you, you, by Your Spirit, would open our hearts to receive what, what You would say to us and give to us this morning. In Your name we pray. Amen. Now there's a story, I've probably told it to you here in Bible class before, that to me illustrates the difference between the Christian faith and all the other religions of the world. And it's about a man who's walking along, falls into a, a deep pit, and he can't get out of the pit. And in the corner of this pit, there's a poisonous snake. And so he's panicked, he's desperate, he starts to yell out for help, and as he's as he's in that pit, all the other great religious leaders of history come by and, and one says to him, I am indeed sorry that you've fallen into this pit. Meditate and you'll be free. And another one comes by and, and says to him, oh, I'm, I think you should pray three times a day and I'm sure you'll be able to get yourself out of this pit. Another one says, hey, this is probably just God's will for you. Just accept it. And and one by one, they all give advice, and then they move on, leaving him in the pit. Well, along comes Jesus, and Jesus, without speaking a word, crawls down into the pit with the man. And he hoists the man up out of the pit, and he reaches out to stomp the head of the snake, and even as he does that, the snake bites him. And he dies. Every religion of man gives us something we must do to save ourselves. The problem with that is we can't. You and I can never do enough. You and I can never be good enough. We can't meditate our way out of sin. We always fall short. We can't. Save ourselves. Only in the Christian faith does God come down to save us. Only in the Christian faith does God do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Only in the Christian faith does He come and lift us up, restore us to Himself, reconcile us to Himself, and as I told the children, that teaching is called justification. Justification by faith. Luther calls it the, the, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls, the, the central teaching of Christianity. And as such, you would think that justification would be something that would be clearly understand by all of us. That it would be the easiest teaching, but it's not. In fact, I would tell you it's a little bit of both. Justification is both the, the easiest and the most difficult teaching of the Christian faith. It's the one teaching that our sinful nature does not want, has trouble understanding is not by nature attracted to it because we all want to believe I can do something. 
And that's why Jesus tells this parable. It's also why you hear this teaching over and over and over again in sermons. I want you to listen to what Luke tells us. It says, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Now, the parable is really familiar to you. It has two characters, right? Pharisee and a tax collector. They've both gone up to the temple in Jerusalem to pray. And the Pharisee, and now I want you to pay close attention to how often the word I occurs in the Pharisee's prayer. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I, I, I think five times. All he does is tell God how good he is. He never asks God for anything. Why? Because in his eyes, he doesn't need anything. He's fine just the way he is. Well, the tax collector is a different story. He knows he's not righteous. He knows that he has done nothing to merit anything from God. He knows that he has done much to offend God. So the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. And you got to understand, it's an important statement because a Jew in those days stood up with their, and prayed with their eyes open and their head lifted. But not this guy. No, he stands there beating his breast. Saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that's when Jesus draws the parable to a close. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Straightforward, right? Easy to condemn that self-righteous Pharisee, that hypocrite. But, you know, I'm just going to share with you something that my um, mama always said to me. Wayne, when you're pointing the finger at somebody else, you got four pointing back at yourself. Easy to condemn the hypocrisy and self-righteousness of the Pharisee hard to recognize the Pharisee in ourselves. Easy to stand here and say, Lord, I thank You that I am not like other people, like hypocrites and overly pious and the self-righteous or even like this Pharisee. I thank You that I am humble. I, I come to church. I listen attentively to the sermon or at least look like it. Thank you. Aren't you glad I'm here? How easily we fall 
into the temptation. The trap of believing that there are two kinds of people, us and the rest of the world. Holy people, sinners, the righteous, and the unrighteous. The point of the parable, folks, is that any time we make such divisions, we've ended up placing ourselves on one side and God on the other. I pointed out somewhere this week one of my favorite sermons by Dale Meyer. He said, you cannot get into heaven unless you are one of the ungodly because Christ died for the ungodly. That's what Romans says. Folks, the Pharisee and the tax collector stand before the throne of God in the same condition. Guilty sinners. The contrast is that on one hand, the Pharisee has himself fooled into thinking that by comparison, he's a much better person. God surely is delighted in him. And that's the danger that we make comparisons and build ourselves up with a false righteousness, a false sense of confidence. To think that maybe because I'm not like him or not like her, I'm okay. Folks, when we start doing that, when we start dividing the world into good and bad, we become just as blind as the Pharisee. Other than you need to know something about the tax collector. The tax collector is not saved because of his humility. He's desperate. He's overwhelmed by the truth of his own sinfulness, his powerlessness to change who he is and what he's done to undo his sin powerless to save himself. He's down in that pit and he can't get out. And so he stakes his hope on one thing. God, be merciful to me. Pity me. That's the only place where hope is to be found. In God's mercy. It's no accident that Jesus tells this parable or sets this parable in the temple. Because you know, all the divisions were actually on display in the temple. All the divisions wrought by sin. There's the big curtain that separates everybody and keeps everybody away from the presence of God in, the, in front of the Holy of Holies, in front of the Ark of the Covenant. There was a wall beyond which Gentiles were not allowed to go, accenting the division between Jew and Gentile. And on display, in the way they behaved in the temple, there was the Pharisees and the priests and the Sadducees on one side and all the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes on the other side, all on display in the temple. It always me that we're always surprised 
when it's also on display here. When we gossip about one another. When we get upset and mad and stop talking to each other. As if because I believe one way and you believe another. When it comes to what we should be done, then you're not as good as me. And as friendly as this congregation is, and it is friendly, I, I want you to know. And I've had people who have been here a long time say to me, I've never felt welcome. Never been invited to a small group. Never get included in conversation. So the divisions are often on display in God's temple. Why? Because we're all sinners. Folks, we need to recognize something. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus changes all that. You understand that? By His death and resurrection, He tore down the curtain in the temple that separates us from God. Paul says in Ephesians that by His death and resurrection, Jesus demolished the wall between Jew and Gentile. By His death, Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for us ourselves. He crawled down into the pit with us and He lifted us up to freedom. Each of us is that man in the pit. Each of us is the one for whom Jesus came. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, Paul writes, through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This parable, yeah, it deals with self-righteousness and humility, but that's not the center of it. Neither is really the Pharisee or the tax collector. Rather, the parable is about our God. God who alone can judge the human heart. God who alone determines to justify the ungodly. Why did the tax collector go home justified? Not because of his humility. Why are you and I going to go home today? Not because we showed up or because of what we give or because of how often we pray. We will go home justified because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We will go home justified because on the third day God raised Him from the dead. Folks, it is a simple truth. We are justified by His grace as a free, undeserved gift paid for by Jesus. By His holy, precious blood. By His innocent suffering and death. That's the truth hidden in this parable. That's a parable worth unlocking.
Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.